Are you, like pretty much every parent of younger kids I know, looking for a smart entertainment option for your kids? Designed for kids ages six and up, Mysteries About True Histories, also known as Math, How Smart Is That?, is a weekly podcast full of time travel, puzzles, hidden equations, history, and humor. And while kids will enjoy the stories anchored around characters like troublesome trolls, pirate queens, and mysterious aunts, adults can benefit too. I admittedly delighted in learning a thing or two about Pythagoras and triangles in one episode. Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code-breaking, pattern-solving, and more, all weaving humor in with education to make learning fun. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, a great length for transition times during the day or a bedtime treat. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to the Edit Your Life Podcast. I'm Christine Coe. And I'm Asha Dornfest, and we're here to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. We share practical ways to declutter your home schedule and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. And we believe that baby steps are the key to getting there. Good morning, Christine. Hello, Asha. How are you? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's the question of the hour, is it not? No, actually, I'm I'm doing wonderfully. I am, believe it or not, currently sitting in the house that I grew up in. I'm at my parents' house recording this. So uh, this this feels special and sort of uh, different all at the same time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, why yeah, don't you tell yeah. people, I mean, people will have an idea from the title and the description, <laughs> but uh, tell us a little bit about the inspiration for today's episode. Okay. Well, you know, folks, um, I just got back from dropping my daughter off at college, my youngest, which means uh, my husband and I are now empty nesters. And, you know, this is such a big deal. I I just thought it would be a nice, um, productive thing to give you a little peek into this transition in, in life, just for a couple of reasons. First of all, I just want to say we've gotten so many really lovely notes and comments about what I've shared so far about sending my daughter off to college. You know, I have two kids, one who's going to be a college senior this year. So my daughter is starting as a freshman. And folks have really responded to the things that I've talked about, about this transition to, you know, basically parenting adults. And I thought, you know, I haven't said so much about it. And I thought the fact that we've reached this milestone, um, this just felt like a good time to really sort of report back. Um, And I think it's just, I think the second and most important reason is this is just such a big, it's such a big thing to arrive at this juncture of parenting. And I know for me, it has always helped to hear what's going on with other parents who are a few years ahead of me. And, you know, with this transition, granted, this is only one person's experience and everybody's experience is different, but I thought it would just be good for you to sort of hear what it's like, you know, what, what it's been like, um, so that you can think about it in your own life. If you think this is something, um, you know, that's going to happen in your future, either, you know, a couple of years from now or, you know, 10 years from now, who knows? Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's, that was what was sort of pushing me to, to suggest we do this. Yeah. It feels both, uh, 
real because I have a, a high school senior and we're going to start this application or we're kind of, I wouldn't say in the middle, we're kind of towards the entry of the application process. And uh, then it doesn't feel real because I have a kid in elementary school because mm. that's what our spread looks like. Um, yeah. So this, this episode format's going to be a little different. Um, I'm kind of going to be interviewing you, Asha. So <laughs> I think it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Well, I think so too. And I feel like, you know, it's, it's, it's totally wonderful that you are really just sort of behind me time-wise, just a couple, like, you know, like months in some ways behind where I'm at, um, you know, in terms of where your own family is. And, um, you know, again, I know for me, the stories of my friends and the people that I trust people, just real people, that's what helps me so much because it just feels like such a big thing to wrap your mind around. But in some ways you can't wrap your mind around it. You can't wrap your mind around the fact that your kid's going to move out. And I mean, not every kid moves out, of course, you know, when they go to college and not every kid decides, you know, college is the right thing. So, you know, again, just my experience, just sharing my experience, but you know, I think it's worth saying that I, at this particular moment, feel parallels with what it was like when I became a parent, you know, that huge shift where you can't imagine how different your life is going to be. And yet it still just changes in a single day. It changes, you know, your day-to-day rhythms change, your identity changes, you know, and your sense of self. And for me, even how I relate to the world, you know, relating to the world as the, you know, sort of steward and and protector of of people to you know they're out in the world living their life it's just a totally different thing and at the same time there are these really wonderful full circle closures too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah for sure it's occurring to me um well i was gonna say the only certainty i have but then i just realized I don't have this certainty, <laughs> but what I was going to say is that the, the one certainty I sort of feel in this process is that Laurel will definitely depart somewhere because she, and be out of state. Um, I say that, but then I realize that's nothing is a given my, my whole, I think I've mentioned that on the, this on the podcast before, but, um, I, I have two basic observations about this whole process. And one is that anything can happen. There's no such thing as a safety school. I truly believe that. Mm-hmm. And that there are a bajillion great places to go. So mm-hmm. I, I feel both. Yeah, I, I uh, mm-hmm. but it is interesting to think, wow, she is really going to she's going to push off somewhere. And despite living in a state with about a bajillion great universities, she does not want to mm-hmm. be in Massachusetts. So <laughs> that's the one thing I know. Neither of my kids wanted to stay in state either. And, yeah, you know, fine. it's interesting. It's interesting when you say. um you know, like the one certainty you have, you know, I think what I have, you know, and I think this is clearly a function of what my last, you know, year and a half or couple of years have been, is that there really are no certainties. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that as a parent, you know, that's something that I have struggled with mightily over, over the years. I think, you know, we, when we become parents, we become ultimately vulnerable to the world's, you know, the world's, uh, you know, comings and goings. And I think that with this process, um, there was a, like a peace in actually embracing that and realizing that it's time to pass this child onto the world. And that felt actually really, really good. And I mean, good, I, I, I put good in quotes because the word I keep coming back to really is bittersweet. You know, I mean, there's so much that's joyful about this process. And of course, 
there are things that are sad about it. You know, there's gain and loss. There's this thrill of progressing to the next chapter, but it's also, you know, mixed with this wistfulness of memories. But overall, I got to tell you, I mean, basically, spoiler alert, I'm in the middle of a big love explosion right now, and it's super exciting, and I'm thrilled. So anyway, we'll we'll talk more about the the subtleties. Yeah, well, let's dive right in. I guess my first question, and hello, you're sending another kid off to college amidst a global pandemic. So mm. <laughs> I mean, I guess, you know, so anyway, my question is, how, how were the final weeks? Like, what was that like? How did you, I know you were going for a rather minimalist approach as far as, mm -hmm. uh, those essentials, college essentials list, but what did that, <laughs> what did the departure look like? Right. Okay. Well, that's a good question. And, um, you know, again, so this is, I have two kids and I have already sent one of them to college. So my son is now a college senior. So we did this a few years ago. And this is my second and youngest who uh, we are sending off. And so uh, very similarly to, you know, when you have your second kid and you go, oh, actually, I didn't need all that stuff on the, you know, what, you know, what to buy for the nursery list. I also felt like I don't need to buy all this stuff for what to buy for college list. So that in and of itself, the practicalities, I think I did a pretty good job with, um, <laughs> you know, we didn't buy a whole bunch of stuff. And, um, and you know what we can, if you're curious, like, well, what did you buy? Well, we can link to some things in, in the show notes and I'll, I'll show you which resources I used, but, um, you know, as for the practicalities of getting ready, I think we did pretty well. There was a lot of just acceptance, a lot of, you know, my daughter and I took a lot of walks. That's our favorite thing to do together. You know, just really this notion that anything that, uh, she forgot or, you know, didn't pack, you know, we could get it when we were there or she could do without it. So I think the other thing that was really good about this time was that I really let go of my tendency to have like big, heavy philosophical discussions. Anyone who's been listening to this podcast for a while knows that I tend to get very introspective and, you know, like, let's discuss the, how this is relevant in the universe. And I mean, that's one of my strengths, but it, it can also be one of my weaknesses because sometimes my kids just want to hang out or they just, they don't want to have to think about the bigger relevance of every single thing. And my daughter and I are very much on the level about that, but I also gave her space to just be, and that felt really good. So that's, that's all the good part. Okay. Now that said, um, the anticipation of, of leaving was absolutely the hardest part for me. And I could say that now that it's behind me. I had this feeling like in those final few weeks of this anticipatory loss, like, oh my God, this is going to be terrible. What am I going to do? What's it going to be like to miss my daughter this much? You know, I had this fear of saying goodbye to her. And the way that it really came out was it totally spiked my COVID anxiety. Like I was sort of a, a mm -hmm. I was just like a circle the wagons person in the weeks before we left because I was so afraid something would come and just knock everything down and we wouldn't be able to take her to college. We wouldn't be able to fly to school. We wouldn't, she wouldn't be able to participate in welcome week and moving into the dorm. And I realized that I was so, I was just holding on to that experience with white knuckles, you know, both for myself and for her and, and how it came out was just total COVID anxiety. So, I mean, we were very conservative. We've always been very conservative about our COVID behavior, but even more so, we really, really were. And 
I am so glad to say that it worked out just fine, but, but it was rough. And um, I mean, I had to talk to my therapist, a whole separate discussion about it because it was really affecting my, um, my day-to-day life. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it was both of those things. Um, But um, you know, it's funny. I can, I, if you were to ask me while it was happening, I would have really been shaky. And now that I'm looking back on it, I can see that, you know, that it was just wanting everything to go okay. Yeah. Well, I'm sure your therapist said something to this effect, but all of those feelings completely valid, especially mm. after seeing how last year's last year went down for students across the country. I mean, right. So much disappointment and loss. And so I can especially with so much being out of your control, I can imagine how challenging that was. And I know we texted about just wanting welcome week to happen and wanting these Mm. things to happen. And those feelings are all so very real. It's, it's, I, I too feel like through back to school season have just been holding my breath, like hoping, wanting everything to be okay. Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, you know, there are a million questions I could ask you about that right now, but hopefully we'll talk about that maybe in a future, future episode. But, you know, I think, you know, and I, I just think the thing to mention here is that clearly I was, you know, feeling a lot of this for my daughter because I wanted her to have that experience. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is I was feeling it for me because the, you know, the loss of senior year due to COVID half a junior year, all the stuff that went away, not to mention my son's college experience, like that loss in me was just a very, um, devastating loss for me. And so it was just like, I am not going to lose this too. Of course, I didn't have control over that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had some control over our own behavior, but I was very aware that, you know, there are no certainties. And so that just really, boy, whew, that was rough. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we have a lot more we're going to cover. I have many questions and we will do that after a quick break. Understood is a resource I have recommended for many years to parents looking for support with learning and thinking differences such as ADHD, dyslexia, and more. And I'm subsequently excited to tell you about their podcast, Understood Explains. This season, the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Urtube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. They cover topics such as how to tell if your child needs an IEP, common myths about special education, and the difference between IEPs and 504 plans. I love how Understood Explains breaks down the overwhelm by unpacking an important topic each season and then drilling down further into key basics in each episode. Most episodes are between 10 to 15 minutes, and episodes are available in both English and Spanish. So fantastic, right? To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains wherever you get your podcasts. Did you know that hyaluronic acid naturally occurs in our skin, but decreases gradually as we age, leading to thinner, drier skin? If you're looking for support hydrating your skin from the inside out, check out one of the tools in my hydration arsenal, Rituals Hyacera, which I take every morning. Rituals products are tested and validated by a third party for allergens, microbes, and heavy metals, and Hyacera is clinically proven to reduce fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. They also engage in industry-leading sustainability standards and are a female-founded B Corp, which means they hold themselves accountable to not just their company's financial health, but also the health of people and our planet. Want to join me in hydrating from the inside out? 
Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash edit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash edit for 25% off. Okay, friends, we are back. Asha and I are talking about her emptiness situation. And, you know, this situation, it's a situation. (laughs) And, you know, my next question, it's funny. We all have these snapshots of memories. And basically, I want to ask you what the departure was like and what it was like to say goodbye to your daughter at her dorm. And I will just quickly inject here that thinking about that, this question made me think of saying goodbye to my mom when she dropped me off at college. And I remember being so upset in the, and now this is like a million years ago, but being so upset in the year, in the weeks running up to my departure that it just didn't seem like she, she like had any feelings about it at all. I mean, the reality Mm -hmm. was she has had seven kids and was really busy doing other things, but so she hadn't really shown any emotion. And I was like, what is going on? And then I remember when we finally said goodbye, she got my, got my stuff in the dorm uh, shoved a, a massive bottle of laundry detergent at me and burst into tears. And I was like, ah, feelings. <laughs> They're here. That's all I needed, mom. <laughs> and then I felt like we could say goodbye. I was so anyway, I, uh, I'm curious, was there a burst of tears? Was there a massive no. laundry detergent bottle? Let's hear it. <laughs> well, first I have to say, before I answer that question, I have to say that my college experience was that I didn't, I never lived in the dorms. I lived at home my first year of college. So I grew up in the San Francisco Bay area. I went to UC Berkeley for college. I grew up in a town about 30 minutes away. And my very practical parents said, why move to the dorms or save money? Just like take the, you know, take the BART train, you know, the, basically the public transit, take the train into into college. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, not even thinking that like, you know, a big part of the experience is living in the dorms. Mm -hmm. And uh, for whatever reason, it actually was a terrible idea for me to do that, but I did do it. The reason I'm mentioning this is that I never, ever had that experience of like saying goodbye to my parents in that way. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, so this, so it was interesting. Like, I I have a tendency because my daughter and I are so similar in terms of our temperaments. I have sometimes like a tendency to like, what was it like for me back then? What was it like for me? And this one I couldn't do because I didn't have this experience. So, all right. So to answer your question, when it was finally time to say goodbye, me, who is like, I've always got the words for the feelings. I love talking about feelings. I love talking. Oh my God. my My stomach totally knotted up. When it was finally time to say goodbye to my daughter, I looked at her, I hugged her, I looked at her face, and I got all weird and awkward. Like, I just didn't know what to say. I literally, there were so many feelings, I couldn't get them out. Now, my consolation was that um, she and I had talked a lot in the weeks up to that. And so, and we had taken many, many walks. So I had already said all the words, you know, I gave her all the advice, I told her all the feelings about, you know, Number one, how unbelievably proud I am and how much I would miss her, but also how much confidence I had in her and how this was her experience. And it may be totally different than anyone else's in the family and all those good things that I would hope I would have said. But geez, at that moment, I totally clammed up. (laughs) I just just looked Mm -hmm. at her. 
I, I had a hard time even looking her straight in the eye and, mm. uh, and, and she understood, um, because that's the kind of person my daughter is. She's just, she has the wisdom of the ages and she always has. Um, um, and you know, my husband and I walked to the car and that's when I started crying. I just sat in the car and cried and, uh, and then we drove to our Airbnb and I was sort of like a numb zombie. And then that night, my husband and I just buried our feelings watching Grey's Anatomy reruns. <laughs> <laughs> Thank I goodness swear, for that Netflix. Show is, that show is like a bomb. It, bomb, B-A-L-M. It is so like anesthetizing and entertaining. And it's like, I'll just watch these people. Oh, goodness. Anyway, um, but here's the big surprise. Um, when I woke up the next morning, I felt fine. Like I felt good even mm-hmm. on, you know, the, I mean, like on the way to the airport, I was expecting to feel how I felt when we dropped my son off years ago, which was when I was sitting in the, you know, airport gate waiting to board the plane. It was like, I'm leaving my kid in a different state. And I just was, it was awful getting on the plane, boarding the plane. When the plane took off, I felt this horrible feeling. Not this time. I felt great. Like, not in a like, woohoo, see a sucker. Not in that way, mm-hmm. but more like, we did it. You know, she and my son are in these great places. Um, the great thing is she's going to a school like minutes away from my son's school. And so this was a familiar place that I've been. It wasn't just some new Mm -hmm. city that I was unfamiliar with. And I just felt that wonderful feeling of it's going to be okay. Like Mm -hmm. that really wonderful feeling. And I think also at this point, I know deep down that this isn't goodbye. It's, you know, it's a next chapter. Mm -hmm. It is certainly a big next chapter and it's a departure and a you know, a uh, uh, separation, but it's not a, it's not a goodbye. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, this, um, brings up a sparked a little memory that I had totally just not thought about for a lot, long time, but, um, my younger sister, I have one younger sister and she went to college locally, but then she did a master's all the way down in Texas at Rice University. So that was a big deal. And I had offered to move her there with and my mom and I went and my mom was like a hot mess during that whole trip. Like everything, mm. every apartment we looked at wasn't good enough. Like it was just like, <laughs> you know, and this was her youngest, right? Out of mm. seven. And then she cried, she cried the whole plane ride home. And I, I, oh. I was just thinking that when you mentioned, you know, getting on, getting to the airport and everything, having to ride an airplane, it just, it, it adds another level of, separation. I mean, it's a big deal. Like I'm staring, definitely kind of thinking about that and staring that potential down the face. So, um, anyway, just an interesting that it sparked that memory, but I remember just kind of like rubbing her back while she was just crying that Mm. whole way home from Texas to Boston. It was really something. I I really love hearing these stories partially, (laughs) I think, because I, you know, really just am fascinated by your mom and really hope to like meet her someday, but also I just am thinking about the, you know, what it, what it might be like for someone who has, you know, seven kids, like Uh that's seven, seven emotional experiences that are different with different people. And that's a lot and and amazing. And, and that's parenting, you know, for sure. But, um, yeah, I, I just, all of our experiences are so different and it's so interesting. And, and especially, you know, it's, it's interesting. I'm, I'm here recording this. Like I said, I'm sitting in my parents' house. I'm here at my I mean, the house I grew up in, you know, the house I commuted <laughs> to college from. And 
um, you know, talking to my mom a lot about, you know, just things, you know, stuff that comes up and, um, you know, she, she was, I'm an only child. She was completely devastated even when I went to college and I went to college 30 minutes away, Mm -hmm. but I did eventually move out, you know, to an apartment and she said it was just so hard. Of course. So, you know, but yes, the plane versus the car ride or the bus ride or whatever, or local is certainly is different. Um, that's, yeah, I think that's a a topic for a bigger conversation. It really is something different. And I think the other thing is that this experience is going to be different for different parents, of course, and different kids. Yeah. So it's, um, but yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's, it's super poignant. Yeah. Well, speaking of homes and, um, this question I want to ask you is also fun for me because I have actually been in your home so I can envision your home and (laughs) all the different spaces, but what was it like returning to your house? Like, you know, now this place where it's just the two of you and Teddy, but, um, (laughs) my husband and me and an old dog padding around going, where is everyone? Seriously? (laughs) I can't, I honestly can't even envision it. Like my house is very full right now. I know. So that's the thing. One cannot envision it. I don't think it's possible to envision it. You can have all sorts of ideas and you can crack little jokes about, you know, stuff like that, but you can't envision it. I think that's, that's part, like, again, that's part of why I wanted to record this podcast. Cause like the experience has been really different than I thought. Okay. So returning to my house, um, we live in Portland, Oregon. And every time I fly home to Portland, Oregon from anywhere, doesn't matter where it is. I'm always happy. Like I love Portland and I love the Portland airport. <laughs> I just love the whole thing. And so it always feels good to come home you know, just like landing in the airport and the, our little, you know, routine of, of getting ourselves home from the airport. We don't live far from the airport, which is another thing I love about the location of my house. Like I don't even have to get on a freeway to get to the airport. So it just took a few minutes for us to get home. And this was another big surprise. It felt really good to come home to our house. Like we walked mm-hmm. in and opened the door And I think because of what I was telling you at the beginning of this episode, all that COVID anxiety that I had, all of that anticipatory grief that I was feeling in the weeks leading up to this departure, when we came home to that same space that I had experienced all those feelings, and it was like, oh, we did it. We did it. It worked. Like Mm -hmm. she was able to do it. We were able to do it. It was, I was filled with joy about that. You know, like I felt so happy about that. And I think the other thing is, um, you know, there are things that are harder about having your, you know, final kid move out, but also things that are easier. And I think one of the things that was easier for me about coming home this time, as opposed to coming home when we sent my son off to college was, I didn't have that feeling like, oh, the house, you know, it, it feels so weird. You know, at this point, I'm used to the idea of a kid living far away and having mm-hmm. a kid at home. Mm-hmm. And so this wasn't as much of a step. Now, that said, it was like a way bigger step because now it's just the two of us. So this is why it was a surprise. I really expected to be broken up about it completely. But it just, I guess what rushed in for me was just both like feeling relieved that we were able to have such a great send off for her and for us. And then honestly, just the freedom of it all. Like, okay, let me just tell you something petty. Like I'm really excited about cooking and eating just for the two of us, or even just for me, as opposed to cooking for the family. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
I hear that. I am really excited about eating whatever I want. You know, like I like to eat differently than my kids like to eat. Now, my kids totally became more flexible in their eating as they got older. It's not to say they didn't, you know, so I'm not trying to, you know, jab them or anything with by saying this, but the reality is I get to be a different kind of cook and a different kind of shopper. And that whole food thing is very exciting to me. Um, Plus, you know, like the whole space of the house gets to be used differently now, you know, so there are not going to be people studying in the basement doing Zoom school with the click, click, click of, you know, keyboards and, and everything else, you know, like it's, it's those things were wonderful, but also like our home is now a place where we get to sort of explore a new way of living. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty exciting. I mean, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but we could do whatever we want in whatever room we want. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Here we go. (laughs) Oh, of course I'm just talking about conversation. (laughs) Um, but no, I mean, seriously, in, in, in like, like, you know, if I want to record a podcast in the dining room, I can. And I mean, that sounds silly, but it actually is sort of exciting. Yeah. And um, I think the bigger piece for me, though, is not just my physical space, but the psychological space. So we all know the psychological, you know, sort of space that our children take in our minds and our hearts. You know, of course, that's like the most wonderful thing about parenting. And also, one of the most difficult things because you don't always feel space for your own thoughts or your own needs, or you don't like feel like you have a right to that space. And while I have felt like I had a right to that space, I didn't always take it because I just, I just didn't, I was in that habit of being a mom and putting my kids, you know, just, I, I I didn't always carve out enough time for myself. And I feel like with my kids, you know, moving on to this next phase, it's like there is this new vacated spacious place inside of me that um, like for creativity, for curiosity, for like investigating new ways of, you know, living my life. Um, You know, it's, it's amazing. I mean, and don't get me wrong. It's not that I'm, I'm not glad my kids are gone, you know, and I totally miss their presence, but not in a, Oh, I wish they were still here or I wish, you know, I could turn back time. I'm I don't wish any of those things. I'm I'm happy about where they are. I'm happy about um the potential for, you know, what's ahead of me. And I you know, I think the other thing to say at this juncture is I have absolutely loved how my relationship with my son has evolved during his college years with this, you know, this space between us. Like I think this may be my favorite phase of parenting yet the parenting of independent people. And, you know, if we're lucky, if you think about it, this is going to be the longest phase of parenting that we all experience, which is parenting them when they're adults. And I think it's a true delight. Mm, That's lovely. Lovely, lovely. All right, Asha. Well, we have a bit more we want to discuss and we will do that after a quick break. People often talk about the impact of things like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrition on skin, But did you know those things impact your hair too? If you've been dealing with hair thinning, you are not alone, and Nutrafol is here to help. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. I appreciate that they offer formulas tailored to different life stages, such as postpartum and menopause, as well as different lifestyles, such as plant-based diets. 
In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering Edit Your Life listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code EDIT. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. That's Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, and use promo code EDIT. That's Nutrafol.com using promo code EDIT. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff. Okay, friends, we are back. We are talking about the empty nest and Asha's experience. And Asha, my next or my last like big question for you is we've talked about how obviously going out of state is a big deal. I mean, going anywhere is a big deal, but obviously there are logistics that add up uh, when you have to hop on an airplane and head out of state. So how has it been navigating these few weeks as the parent of two out of state college students? <laughs> well, okay. So, um, well, first of all, I think that, um, you know, one of the benefits of kids being far away for school, for, far away for school, for college is that, um, I mean, it really forces all of us to, to make that break in terms of, you know, like, um, just make that transition to independent living. So that's, that's the good part. I mean, I'm not saying it's right for everyone because, uh, you know, honestly, I would have been happy with like a three hour car ride, which also would would have forced that transition without forcing us to get on a plane. But, um, you know, we are, there's a lot of texting going on and we've got a family thread happening and, um, we've had, I'm actually trying to, lay low in terms of, you know, calling and FaceTiming and all of that stuff and really leave that ball in my daughter's court so that she can reach out to us, um, which she's been doing. And, and so that has been going well. Um, but you know, it's interesting. I think as soon as I came home and, um, you know, sort of got my footing inside my house, my new house that, you know, like is the domicile of two people. Um, you know, and, and just started, um, you know, having a moment. Um, I like lots of creative ideas and lots of 
questions really started coming up in my mind because, you know, for the last 15 years, my writing career has really centered on parenting and family life. And, you know, the time to, uh, like, it's time for me to think differently about what I want to write about, what I want to pursue, you know, how I want to pursue it. Um, You know, I have had an at-home writing career for the times that my children were home and my children are no longer home. Is it time for me to get a job outside in the world? Like, you know, is it time or something else? Who knows? And I think the point is, it's time for me to really reimagine what my work is going to look like going forward. Um, And so, you know, my first step in doing that is um, actually I've signed up for some college classes and I am going to retool. I'm going to take a, a small sort of sabbatical to really um, think about what, you know, what these next steps are going to be. And maybe not even think about more like takes, you know, I'm actually trying to like follow our own advice here and take some baby steps in the way that seem that feel right and then go from there. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to try to plan out some big, huge you know, reinvention. It's more like I'm going to take some steps and see how it feels. And, um, you know, I'm going to really, I'm, I'm really thinking about what needs to happen right now. So I'm big time prioritizing time with my extended family and my friends as much as protocols, COVID protocols allow. So, you know, basically as soon as I came home from dropping my kid off at college, I laid low for a few days so that I could take a, a reasonable COVID test. And as soon as my test came back negative, I um, came to my mom so I can help my mom with some stuff. So, you know, that's a really, that's a really big deal that I'm, this is something that I need to do, you know, in my life right now. But, you know, I think the biggest thing, honestly, and I think this is going to be relevant to just about everybody who is partnered at this stage of their parenting journey, is that I'm putting some really focused energy on reconnecting with my husband. And, um, you know, it's, let me just say it straight, you know, this particular, you know, empty nest moment, the moment when the kids depart, it can be a real turning point for, for partnerships. And, and I mean that either way, you know, some marriages become much, much stronger at this point because there's like renewed time and energy for, you know, spending time together and talking and privacy and all that kind of stuff, but it can also, you know, go south. And because family life can do a big number on your marriage, if you haven't, you know, for what, I mean, for whatever reason, and, you know, sometimes sure it's because we sort of take our eye off the ball and we don't pay attention, you know, to our relationships enough, but sometimes it's just life. And let's remember what's happened in the last year and a half with COVID and jobs and, and online school and, and just the stress of life. It is hard on partnerships, no matter what. So, you know, it's good to just realize that this is an important time for, for those people who are partnered. And so for my husband and me, like we are spending some really focused time, like revisiting our dreams as people who are very, very different than when we got married 28 years ago. You know, what, what are we, how are we going to use our, you know, sort of shared pool of time and attention now that the kids are gone? How are we going to show up for each other? What does love and partnership look like for us now? I'm like, we're trying to answer some of those questions. And Some of those questions are, you know, some of the answers are exciting. Some are sobering, like we have some work to do and, and, and we're ready to do that work, which is great. Um, but I think it's just important to say that straight and, you know, not everybody's partnered at this stage. So, you know, for folks who aren't partnered, 
you know, it's it's still such a time of transition again to to you know, revisit your own dreams and and revisit what your own hopes are now that you've been fundamentally changed by the process of raising these amazing kids in your life. Hmm. All right. Well. Yeah, that's a so big much one, huh? more. Yeah, so much more that could be could be said on all of those things. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, Asha, this is um, was so interesting to hear your perspective through. I was going to say the journey of the last few weeks, but it's really been the journey of the last 18 or 19 years culminating to this moment. Mm. Um, so let's wrap up though. And I'm going to depart from sharing a your next edit because this was really an interview and this is um, your lens that we're focused on. So mm. I would love to hear what your next edit is for this episode. Mm-hmm. All right. So um well, first, Christine, I want to thank you for sort of asking me these questions and giving me the spotlight a little bit, a chance to talk about these things, because it actually feels really, really good to, to be able to talk to you about this stuff and share them with other folks. So thanks for that. All right. So my next edit. So my next edit is going to go directly to what I was just talking about, and that is to commit yourself to a weekly date night with your partner. And if you're not partnered, commit yourself to a weekly date night with yourself or a friend or whatever, whatever brings you joy. And I mean, and that goes for partnered and unpartnered people. Um, you know, just remember, it, it's it's really very difficult to do this. Uh, it's very easy for me to say, but very difficult to do. And that is to remember that the intense focus on your kids while they're young is temporary in your life. And that your partnership requires tending and maintenance throughout, even during, you know, those intense times. And especially during those intense times, really. So you know, again, a date night does not have to be going to restaurant. It doesn't have to be any of that stuff, but it's just a a weekly period of time, even at home, maybe it involves Grey's Anatomy, (laughs) um, where you're just focused on each other. You have some time alone. Maybe there's a sitter, maybe, I don't know what what it looks like, but it's an important thing to do to, to have that regular time for your relationship. And, and also for you to not forget what you love to do. Don't forget because, you know, those kids are going to grow up and, and it's really important for you to keep filling yourself up with joy and keep fortifying that relationship in your life. Mm-hmm. Well said, well said. Mm. Well, folks, um, I really hope this is helpful. Again, I feel like this was like unbelievably generous of Christine and I really am glad that I had a chance to talk to you like this. You'll find the show notes for this episode, including links to resources we've mentioned, plus lots of great related episodes at edityourlifeshow.com. And as ever, we'd love to hear your thoughts and questions. Chat with us on Instagram or Facebook at edityourlifeshow or send us an email to edityourlifeshow at gmail.com. We'd also be grateful if you would drop us a review on Apple Podcasts or tell a pod-loving friend about us. Thanks for listening. Hi there, I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners 
on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts.